Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Hi, Jason Gibbs, Joy Production Manager. It's Radiothon time. We still need joy and we need your support. If you appreciate our free podcast service, our voice for the LGBTI community globally, and the volunteers that make our service possible, please sign up, renew your joy membership, or make a tax-deductible donation before June 30 to keep our service possible. You may win a prize. Head to joy.org.au and click on either the Become a Member or Donate tabs to support us. If you appreciate our podcast service, let us know in the comments section when making your donation. Joy Podcasts, where you want them, when you want them, at joy.org.au and on iTunes. Hey, this is Anthony Kalia. Support Joy 94.9, this Radiothon. Sign up online at joy.org.au. Hello and welcome to Been There, Done That on Joy 94.9. Lovely to have you with us today. And with the sounds of our band playing their little tune, Snow Dancing. Which is quite a toe-tapper. It is quite a toe-tapper, but it's also indicative, of course. It's almost ready for the coming season, isn't it? You're spot on, Gordon. Well, oh, oh, hello. Hello. Let's introduce ourselves. (laughs) We just had a bit of a chat before we said hello. Yeah. You're Gordon. Yeah, I am. Yes. And, and you're I'm Phil. Phil. Yeah. I was when I woke up this morning. You oh. felt yourself, did you? I, I knew who I was instantly. <laughs> Doesn't always happen that way. <laughs> when you stagger to the bedroom of the bathroom and you look in the mirror and think, who's that? Oh my God, I'm him again. Yeah. <laughs> we all go through that anyhow. But at least we're still here doing it. Being there, done that is a Joy 94.9 history program. Gay history, icons and icons and events in history that we still commemorate. Sometimes it's a, a, the birth, sometimes it's the death of, sometimes it's the way events roll out. Who would have thought a few weeks ago, fellows, that the opinions of Margaret Court would have had such ramifications? Well, I guess when you sort of say what she said, you're certainly going to get some reaction to it. And and I think the reaction to it has also almost made our case a bit stronger. Well... I think we can say thanks very much, Margaret, for raising the topic in such a public and open fashion. Yeah, she brought this up a few years ago. Yes. And that memory sort of faded. So this is coming back and just reminding everybody that we've got a fight to win. And I I did see a very interesting letter in the paper about, uh, I think, or it could have been the the editorial, where they just mentioned that one man had actually thrown a pie in the face of Alan Joyce for the same reason live on television. And um, that's so they, they sort of said, well, he's put up with this. And, and treated it very, very well. It's getting personalised mm. in such a way that people can see that there is the only way out of that is to actually let the process complete. The public is behind it, all against these personal attacks. And, uh, yeah, as you say. Chris, I, the only thing I could say is that this is why we should never have a plebiscite. Oh, truly. You know, this should be what 
the government should be doing what they're elected to do and pass the bill in the House, and that should be it. They are our appointed people to they're do They're elected what? representatives. Yeah, yes, we what? elect them. And, uh, do your job. Yeah. But is it majority rule? Or? Well, the, the point is that they say that the, in the House, I think that the equal marriage lobby people have um, worked it out that there is enough people to pass the bill through. Yeah. yeah. But Margaret had better watch what she says. She wants to boycott Qantas because of their support for the cause. Hmm. Well, she lives in Perth. Yes. That's a long bus ride from to anywhere. <laughs> Virgin <laughs> Australia supports equality in yes. marriage. And when you put it that way, she doesn't support equality. No, this Does is she true. have any women, women's rights? Were they fought for in the past? Well, Did I'm they get equality? Mm. That's a bit selfish. Well, i got my equality. I'm happy. Screw you gay people. Yeah, yeah. No, well, once or again, not us, as it turns out. Once again, those people who are quoting the Bible are quoting a social system 2,000 years old. Oh, Probably even when, lo- you probably know, even older than were, that. Slaves were legit. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And okay, what else are we going to reincarnate from that era? Well, they uh, don't just to satisfy that one little thing in the books that said, ah, oh, no. And of course, you got to work out what the reason was or how the words actually uh, portrayed same-sex relationships at that time. Mm-hmm. And it's been retranslated more than Chinese whispers. Oh, yes. <laughs> so let's not have any mistakes in there. Well, it's a good book to hide behind yeah, that's when you haven't got a thought of your own. The Bible said so. Yeah. <laughs> the Bible told me so. That's right. That was the song. Yeah. Yeah. And once again, myths and mythology surrounds even uh, public people. We, we've got the anniversary on the 6th of June. 1835, of uh, regarding John Batman, the Australian-born founder of Melbourne, and his signing of a treaty with local Aborigines for land in Port Phillip Bay. But that was totally illegal, according to the uh, the government of the day up in New South Wales. Well, because he wasn't an appointed yeah, that's right uh, European to do but it. The, con- the funny thing is, of course, that he was negotiating with people who were likewise not empowered to do anything in exchange. That's in right. That- particular process they weren't real local aborigines they had no concept of course of the european idea of transfer of the interest in land their interest in the 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 country was always there that's right yes it almost brings it up to date with um, what has been going on in the conference that they had at uluru a couple of weeks ago where it was all they were trying to get to have their voice heard and I've read one article which says that they should not be having they should not change the constitution because there should be nothing about race in the constitution or something like that Mm. you know and that was from a very right wing group of people but it's to me I think that the um, we still have to do something to to recognize the complete ownership of the place of the aboriginal community which they did for 60,000 years the constitution is a fairly imprecise document Mm. And there needs to be a lot of precision in the wording and the concepts so that there's no doubt for future interpretations. So that's why uh, a separate supporting document is where all the guts and gravy and and veggies are going to be. I was under the understanding, though, that they didn't own the land. They belonged to it. They belonged to it, yes. So our concept of ownership... Is totally different. You can't match it. You can't say, well, you know, we'll give you this for that. No, because... 
it's not theirs to give. That's right, because they were nomadic people. They would yeah. go move from place to place where the where the food was, and then they would come back to the. They'd do a triangular triangulation of the place. Yeah, but that, it was a sign of the times, though, wasn't it? You'd go to take territory. Mm. It's not just the British, but everybody was doing it. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And well, there I, was some rule of finders keepers. Because I was, I mentioned a week or so ago about the anniversary of Blacksland, Wentworth and Lawson going over the Blue Mountains. And it took absolutely, I don't know how many people, to try to find a way over the Blue Mountains. But nobody thought to ask the Aboriginals. <laughs> they could have probably taken them straight over the Blue Mountains in one go yeah. but because they didn't bother to ask. You know, they thought they knew too much. Yeah, we, we just instinctively know better. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think we do most of the time. Anyhow, John Batman um, did found a little, a little township of, um, but it wasn't called Melbourne then. I don't, I don't know what it was called. Well, it, it certainly wasn't Batmania. No, or Batville or what have you. <laughs> and it wasn't Gotham City. No, that's for sure. Because <laughs> Melbourne wasn't named until uh, when Queen Victoria was on the throne back in the 1800s. Because uh, after, made, Lord after Lord Melbourne, Melbourne yeah, her Prime Minister. Mm. So it was back in the 1830s or something, rather, that that happened. Before my time. Was it? Yeah, oddly enough. I thought you were old enough to know it. I I read. (laughs) Now, now, Batman, whilst he did a a fair few good things, he was also a person of that era. And when the uh, situations arose, he he didn't have any problems considering the local population as being an enemy no. and dealing with them accordingly. He dealt with them as friends, yes. Well, he dealt with them with his friends when he needed to, but That's then right. likewise, if they got stroppy or he got stroppy with them, yeah. bang, out came the muskets, etc. That's right. yeah. And yeah. Uh, his token gifts to them were sometimes, were not given in the mm. with the best of reasons behind them. But he was the only, he's, he's the only Australian-born man to ever found another city because he was born in Sydney of um, immigrant parents. Now, Gordon, we think of Melbourne as being a wonderful city, but it's been built by the gold that was discovered upcountry. That's exactly right, because it was on the 9th of uh, June in 1851 that Victorian Governor Latrobe offered a reward of £200, which was a hell of a lot of money in those days, for discovery of gold within 200 miles of Melbourne. Two days later, on the 11th, the first gold was discovered in Victoria, just up between Geelong and Ballarat. So that was the thing. And, of course, with the gold came the huge gold rush of the population absolutely swelled in Victoria to make it the um, the thing. And then we got all this gold, and it's from the gold that we have all these wonderful commercial uh, uh, council buildings you know the the wonderful town halls and everything buildings civic buildings and the parliament house up the top here and the banks and the banks and and all the rest of sort of places Mm. and and also also reflected in ballarat and in bendigo where gold was discovered and you got sovereign hill in ballarat Mm. these sort of things Uh, it's uh, a real part of victoria's history and we are so glad that they did that otherwise we might have ended up being sort of not as well endowed as we are and of course just recently the uh, premier daniel andrews has apologized to the chinese population for having to walk from robe 
to in Ballarat. South Australia. In, they walked from there because they would have had to pay £10, which I have a vague feeling somebody said it was worth about $1,900 now to land in Victoria in those days. So you can imagine oh. what £200 was worth yeah. to find gold. Well, controlled immigration, funny mm. about that. Yes, well, it, it's almost mm. the beginning of the White Australia policy, yes, wasn't it? it sounds like Taxation it. without representation yes, also. Yeah, yeah. Government's good at that. But then, of course, uh, it also made Melbourne... Um, Marvelous Melbourne, the most. It was. The, it used to be the um, Queen City of the South. Not only that of the world. It was the. It was the most wealthy city in the world at one stage, with all the gold that was coming through here. Thank Where's it all gone? It's still in. Well, there's still some in the ground. They're still finding bits and pieces now and again. We're going to hear from someone who's uh, given us our gay theme. Oh. I wonder what you think it might be. It's where you, what is it? It's the, the one place where you can go and weigh a pie accurately. Oh. Yeah. Well, I don't quite understand that, Phil. So we'll talk about it after. Well, perhaps I should listen to the piece of music and then yes, I might... it's all in the music. Well, technically the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> You're on Joy 94.9. Been there, done that with Gordon, Phil and Chris and the croaky voice. Oh, Joy 94.9 in Melbourne. Joy.org.au for the world. Bluebirds fly beyond the rainbow 
With Gordon, Phil, and Chris, been there, done that on Joy ninety four point nine. Now, did lovely. you work out where to weigh a pie? Hello, hello, the lovely our theme song, our anthem, Judy Garland singing. She gets straight to the point. She says, "Somewhere over the rainbow, weigh a pie." Oh, that's where we've got to go and weigh the pie. <laughs> no, it's weigh a pie. Weigh a Any pie. pie. A pie. A pie. Yeah. <laughs> she might have been talking altitude, but I don't think so. She was an, an absolute gay icon. She wasn't gay, but she was. We, we've adopted her as one of our icons over the years, or even while she was alive, because she seemed to be such a. I think she was one of those people that had this feeling about themselves. You know, that was they. They were put upon like she was fed pills to keep her put her to sleep and fed pills to keep get her awake to do all the shows that she did and all the rest of well, it. Well that's in later life. Yeah. But I think as a little no, girl that was, those... that was a little girl when she was doing uh, Wizard of Oz. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, on the 10th of June 1922 she was born. Frances Gum. Oh what a dumb sounding name. <laughs> well you don't get to choose your name. It just depends what your father's name was in those days. Yeah but yeah. how how did she come up with uh, Judy Garland. Hit. Well, apparently there was a 1930 song called Judy, mm. and there was a film critic about the same time called Robert Garland. Mm. So it sort of made connections, and oh, there she there was. She was, yeah. but she was a little. She did a promo film or singing spot that didn't get her anywhere, and then the MGM owned her at that stage and I do say owned her oh god yes Uh, she was only a youngster and they did another promo which suddenly started to take off and she got a little bit more public interest but it was because she was a child singer as much as anything. She was a captive of the 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 system. That's right. Called. Yeah, and 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 she she not only she starred in um, Over the Rainbow, and she was supposed to have played a part of a thirteen year old. I think she was about nineteen or twenty when she did that part, because she was only a very small, slight um, figure, and she also appeared in a couple of Mickey Rooney. Um, shows and all the rest of it mostly in black and white and of course the somewhere over the the wizard of oz of course started off in black and white and went to technicolor and come back to black and white yes Uh, there was a film star a major film star of the time clark gable had a birthday party in february 1937 and, and judy went along there and she sang you made me love you ah and that was her birthday Birthday present present to him him. Mm. and because there was a big crowd there i mean she played the or her managers played the the crew wonderfully well by exposing her to such a powerful hollywood crowd yeah but judy knew what she was doing she she was a very even as a young woman she was very 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 aware of what she had to do to play the system and she knew how to do it and did it very very well yep but But i i I watched a, a, a clip of hers from a movie called The Harvey Girls. Yeah. And she was uh, she was the star, of course, by then, and she came on and she sang um, On the Atchison, Topeka and the Santa Fe, which became one of her big, big hits. Yeah. Mm. And it was around about this time that, as you were saying, that uh, Judy was given pills by the by the company. By, the, by, by MGM. They used to give her the pills to sleep and give her the pills to waken her up so she could get on and perform. Mm. That's that's where she became addicted to um, all these medications. 
and it remained well, with her basically for the rest of her life. Can I just quote you a few words here? Mm-hmm. Um, her weight fluctuation, uh, apparently because she was such a small person and waif-like when she was slim, she did tend to put on the pounds as well. So uh, she was soon given amphetamines in order to give her the desired streamlined figure. Uh, and she was given numerous pills by the studio doctors in order to combat her tiredness on set. Hmm. So this was the downward spiral that you're talking about right. that, that yeah. resulted in her lifelong drug addiction. But you've got to remember that they would start, they would be awoken at four o'clock in the morning because they would have to get to the studio, get made up, be ready to go on set by about eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And so, and then they would work all day. And that would be that was the lifestyle. This would have predated child labour laws. Oh, just about, I reckon. Yeah, probably became the reason for child labour laws. Yes, yeah. Uh, the film The Wizard of Oz was in 1939. That is such a long time ago, mm. but it is classically rolled out on TV every now and again. Every, well, twice a year. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, Seems to be always available somewhere. Yeah. I, I read a very interesting book about it was called Was, and it was supposed to, supposed to be the life of Judy Garland growing up as Francis with a dog called Toto that was then yeah. made into the movie, and it was a very cleverly written book. Yeah. In 1946, after World War Two, she was in Wuzervoz at the beginning of World War Two, and after it, she gave birth to her to a daughter, Liza. Liza Minnelli. Yes. There's a strange situation because Liza Minnelli's father was as gay as all get out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Vincent. Yeah. But, yes. <laughs> do you know any stories about what was happening on the set with uh, The Wizard of Oz with Judy and the rest of them? I mean, the, they were very naughty. They had oh, fun. Oh, yeah. They, would, they did all sorts of weird, wonderful things to the to, to the um, dwarfs, the, the people that were playing the dwarfs. And they would, in the book I was reading, they used to pick them up underneath their armpits if they needed to go to the toilet because they couldn't walk very fast with the clothes they had on. They couldn't get out of the clothes. So they would have to, some big bloke would pick up two of them at once and take them to the toilet. <laughs> well, I've got a little quote from Judy uh, uh, about that circumstance. Some of the midget men used to tease me while we were making The Wizard of Oz. Uh, they used to sneak under my dress. I told them if they ever went under there and I found out about it, they were in big trouble. <laughs> so she was <laughs> being a little bit naughty there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was a, apparently they had a lot of fun making the movie. But then again, it um, and and the funny part about it that when you read the um, the receipts for that movie, it never it was never the most popular movie that was ever made. It didn't make a lot of money. It hardly returned its own cost of making on its yeah. first first issue and it wasn't until the second or third issue that it started to make a bit of money well it was so adventurous it must mm. have been so mm. expensive to, to yeah. do yeah. and yeah there you go um, and judy is quoted as saying as for my feelings towards the song over the rainbow it has become part of my life it's so symbolic of all my dreams and wishes that i'm sure that's why people sometimes get tears in their eyes when they hear it and i would think that a lot of the gay community also have the same reaction to the song that's the only song i've ever heard judy garland sing live when she was at festival hall back in the 60s and she was she was really really out of it and um, she wasn't going to go on she didn't want to appear here in melbourne at all and because of her contract she said she would and she walked on the stage and it's like she was treading on eggshells trying to move be 
for them because she was quite drunk, you know. And she um, got on there and she just she forgot the words and the st- the crowd was singing for her and trying to keep it a go. But that was all. That was all we got. Um, somewhere over the rainbow in a very very awful fashion. It felt so so annoyed. You know. Well, you were annoyed. You felt sorry for her because she didn't want to do it. You know. But they forced her. They made her do it. And I think we're rather grateful, though, that we've got that anthem because uh, it's been useful in us trying to fight for our own rights. Mm. And one of the things that we as a radio station do is represent the views and everything of our community. Um, Is our Radiothon time? It is. And I have a paid political announcement. (laughs) Oh, okay. Go for it. If you've already supported us during the 2017 Radiothon, Thank you. You're keeping us on air, out loud and proud across the globe at a time when the LGBTI community most needs a voice, much like we spoke about earlier. If you haven't yet, you still have time to sign up, renew your membership or donate to Joy this Radiothon. You'll go into the draw to win a Holden Astra, a MotoGP helicopter adventure, a midsummer VIP experience or a cruise to New Caledonia. Support us now. Head to joy.org.au for details. We still need joy, and joy still needs you. Judy was also under the pressures from her mother, who was... She was a real stage mum, wasn't she? Well, she was. Mm -hmm. And uh, Judy is quoted as saying, she was a real wicked witch of the West. (laughs) So that's where she got that. Mm. Uh, But uh, Judy, about her own life, uh, I was born... At the age of 12, on a Metro Goldwyn mare lot. She didn't have a childhood that she could speak of. She was really into the system. That's exactly right. She was a she was a child of the system, actually, at that time. I don't think they would get away with it these days. Can I point out, she wasn't completely miserable. Why? How come? Well, we all know about Liza. Yes. But Liza's got a sister. Or probably Nora. half-sister. Lorna. Lorna Luft. Yeah, that's right. And she was interviewed in Melbourne not very long ago and she recalled a story where she and Liza were staying in a hotel in London and they'd returned to their room and the the convention then was if you wanted your shoes cleaned you'd leave them outside the door and staff would come around clean them and return them the following morning Mm -hmm. so they went around all these hotel rooms on different floors and just substituted people's shoes they changed for other the shoe. people's shoes. They changed the shoes at the door. Which they thought was hilarious. <laughs> well, and Lorna yeah. said to her mother, aren't we going to get in trouble? We're going to get caught. And Liza said, who no, on this Liza, plan- Judy. Judy, Judy said, yeah. said, who on earth is going to suspect me of stealing their shoes? <laughs> Moving their shoes around. Well, she was wearing red shoes, so that was probably all right. Her ruby red slippers. Her ruby, ruby red slippers. She probably clicked her heels and all the, cho- all the shoes went back to the way they should have been. That's right. <laughs> Stay tuned. We've got more for you. We'll be talking about Mark Feely, whoever he is, but we will tell you. We'll be talking about Cole Porter and Bonnie Tyler. Oh, quite a musical show. Musical show this week. Oh, how lovely. You're in joy. Great shows, great topics, great radio. Joy 94.9. And that great little song there was Marcus Feely and the rest of the Westlife boy band with Dreams Come True. 
and we've got some dreams. We hope they'll come true. Hope your dreams come true as well. You're with Chris, Phil and Gordon. Been there, done that on Joy 94.9. They're a great little group, actually. They've got a great sound, but a, a typical, like a typical boy band sound, of course. It was of the year of the year yeah. 2000. Yes, yes, that's right. And, but what do we know about Marcus well, Feely? He is out and proud. He, but he had a lot of, he had a huge um, thing about his life. Like a lot of people in that situation, they're never sure whether they should come out and live their life as they should or hold it back in so that they don't get um, pilloried and, and people don't buy their records. There's a whole um, system of that way back in those years. Marcus Feely was born on the 28th of May 1980. I nearly said 1880. No, he's an Irish singer and a songwriter and he was one of the lead singers in the boy band Westlife from 98 to 2012. And then he's got a um, solo career. Yeah, but um, Ronan Keating from Boyzone was brought in to co-manage the group. Oh, right. West. Okay. Right. So that's a bit yeah. of Boyzone or a bit of boy band heritage yeah. running the show. But um, Marcus Feely um, left, well, he, he, he and his partner of seven years split, and he said that the split up between him and his partner was worse than when Westlife finally gave it away. Yeah. He, it was, he said it was worse. He, it was interesting that he had come out gay to himself and his family uh, before even going into Westlife, and the manager of Westlife didn't even realise that Marcus Feely was gay. Mm. Uh, and they kept it that way because of the keeping the boy band together. Boy bands, they all look about the same, four or five young-faced guys in their early 20s. Usually very good-looking. Yeah, because it's very good on television when they are. And being mainly straight, of course, they they, they attracted the young girls, the Bobby mm. Soxes. Yeah. No, what yeah. are they? Groupies. Yeah. What else? What I other name? The Bobby Soxes go back to Sinatra's era. Yeah, no, let's call <laughs> yeah. them just fans. They were fans, yes, that'll do. Yeah. I think the modern fan, though, is quite accepting of a gay male in a group. Oh, yeah. More so. See, I can understand... Marcus staying in the closet in much the same way that, um, what's that friend from New York? Bette Midler's pianist. Oh, uh, oh Barry Manilow. Barry Manilow, yeah. He yeah. was afraid of coming out to affect or offend all his little That's right, head yes. fans. And he finally came they, out. Yeah, and they don't care. No. So you've got other um, well, gay performers who come out before their career. Yeah, but so like we, here at Joy, we have so many gay out-and-proud singers of both sexes, and we play them regularly during the day in the, in, the, in the music mix that we play. And I think we're obliged to have a certain percentage of out-and-proud singers as well as a certain percentage of Australian singers. So if you want to listen to out-and-proud singers, listen to Joy, you'll hear a lot of them, yeah, and all their new songs and everything because Chris is very good with doing that. But they not, should be more. Not you, Chris. <laughs> other Chris. But they should be less worried about coming out because I think the world is a, a much safer place commercially than it used to be. Well, Phil, when you consider how many other countries in the world have actually got um, have equal marriage, you've got most of the big countries of the world that have got it. You have a lot of European countries have same-sex marriage. Are you got, trying to tell me the sky didn't fall in? And no, it didn't. And the, and the, and the people but still. The Bible said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but see, Britain and America even now well, have equal marriage. But where are we? Hello. 
but we still have a hell of a lot of us out and proud Australian singers. Well, I think Eurovision is is as gay as you as all get out. Well, I think it is too. <laughs> <laughs> well, a couple of um, transgender people have won it, and and uh, and uh, Conchita Worst, which is yeah, a who is a drag. But not or, not every artist is is gay, but there's so much gay in the front of people there yes. that uh, it is, as you say now, part and parcel of modern life. Yeah, but but it's a, it. Somebody was asking me the other day about the the gay people in the entertainment industry, and I said, well, the gay people that come out during the television series, they can't come out while they're making movies. The movie studios won't allow the gay people in, to to sort of be. They have to not say they're gay if they're going to be a f- film star, but they can be anywhere, anything they want to if they want to be in the television. It's amazing. With the notable exception of a few people like a gentleman we spoke about last week, young Harvey Feistein. Harvey Feistein, yeah. There's no doubting he's gay. <laughs> yes, and he's true. made a heck of a lot of movies. Yes, that's right, yeah. But he was a character actor. He sure is a character. <laughs> <laughs> so boy bands, really interesting and wonderful but we've got a song here from another icon who herself is not gay but is so gay friendly so let's have a listen to Bette Midler with a song that actually is a very very sad story song but the way she sings it makes it so magical and fun you're on joy been there done that with Gordon Phil and Chris She's unable to lunch today Madam, Miss Otis regrets She's unable to lunch today mm. And she's sorry to be delayed But last evening the little lovers lane she strayed Madam, Miss Otis regrets She's unable to lunch today When she woke up and found that her dream of love was gone Madam, she ran to the man who had led her so far astray And from under her velvet gown She drew a gun and shot her lover down Madam, Miss Otis regrets she's unable to lunch today Cried, Madam, 
Diverse sound for a diverse crowd. Join 94.9. You're with Chris Gordon and Phil. Been there, done that on Joy 94.9. And wasn't that a noisy little song from our Bette Midler? Our Bette Midler? Where did I get that concept from? Well, she became famous from singing in the baths, didn't she? In the gay baths, mm, yes. Mm. Uh, she was singing that song, Miss Otis Regrets, which is a Cole Porter song. And Cole Porter, who was he? He was a famous American composer and songwriter early of last century. He was born in 1891. He started writing songs when he was about 18 or 20, so all in the 21st century. He wrote over 1,400 popular songs of the era. He had a marriage of convenience to suit the prying eyes of society at that time. But he was quite a party guy, sharing his affections quite generously with the gay guys of the period. His male-only parties were notorious. However, his musical prowess dominated his reputation. He died in 1964, so he's not a modern person. But because of his lyrics, he was able to actually get beautiful stories across. Uh, Sadly, we don't have songs like this anymore. And they're not old-fashioned. They're just good examples of being able to tell a story with words. You've got to remember that Cole Porter, when when they were writing songs in his days, they always wrote a verse before they wrote the song, an opening verse that basically told you a little bit about the scene that they were setting. And Cole Porter was a brilliant lyricist. He he wrote most of the... just about wrote all his own words to his own songs, of course. Mm. And um, Anything Goes is one of his big songs from the, the stage show that he wrote for Anything Goes. And it's that's produced time and time again. I think I've seen about six versions of Anything Goes here in Melbourne yeah. uh, since I've been in Melbourne. And he also had wrote double entendre wor- words to well, his songs. Yes. Let me just read you the words of the song Love for sale Mm -hmm. and then you will see how naughty he was but how clever he was as well Mm. but in this song that we've just sung uh, that Miss Miss Beth Midler has just sung for us we're told uh, by a servant of a polite society lady how her employer was seduced and abandoned in just a few lines of lyrics we learn that Miss Otis hunted down and shot her seducer And she was arrested, taken from the jail by a mob, and lynched. The servant conveys Miss Otis' regrets, polite, apologetic words to her friends, that Miss Otis regrets she is unable to lunch today. Yes, she was too busy swinging around. (laughs) She was. What a way of presenting that's, a song that's the way he used to write he, he had, they wrote stories in their songs in those days they were they were they started at the beginning and they went through to an end mm. most of the songs did you know and his love for sale the lyrics in love for sale is so um they're so um sexy really when yeah. you re- when you listen to them you know and they're basically the story of a girl who's uh, selling her body for earthly pleasures yes that's right oh she's trying to make some money honey <laughs> uh, exactly. <laughs> Who will climb the stairs yes, to paradise? To paradise. Yeah. I'll read those words now for you. Yeah, all right. Love for sale. 
appetizing young love for sale. Love that's fresh and still unspoiled. Love that's only slightly soiled. Love for sale. Who will buy? Who would like to sample her supply? Who's prepared to pay the price for a trip to paradise? Love for sale. So that was Cole Porter and what a legacy he has left for us of an old era, a different era, in some ways still applicable today. And every one of the good singers has covered his songs. You, You could, like every singer that, was around in those modern days. Modern singers too? Some of the modern singers do them, yes, yes. They do them in cabaret. Yeah. They'll put them in cabaret because there's always stories that they can tell in cabaret. Holes. They're very popular for cabaret so singers. They, they tell their own life story yeah, or yeah, their yeah, own yeah, life story yeah, yeah. and then chuck in a Cole Porter song. That's right. Another singer that we have on our playing machine today has a birthday on the 8th, or had a birthday on the 8th of June 1951. A Welsh singer known for her distinctive husky voice. We're talking about Gaynor Hopkins, but better known as Bonnie Tyler. That's right, yes. I, I heard her being interviewed and she said, oh, she said, at home I'm just Gaynor Hopkins. <laughs> but they, nobody talk, calls me Bonnie Tyler at home and the <laughs> village where she lives in in Wales. And she still lives in Wales where she was born and um, but still travels around the world. I think she's just been re- out here recently, hasn't she, on a tour? She was born in 1951, but her she... Re- came to real prominence in 1978 with a song that we'll actually go out with on today's show, a song called It's a Heartache. (laughs) And with her husky voice, that particular song has been a favourite with dragsters, drag stars on stage. Anybody who's gay can stand up there and almost sing the song along. And it doesn't look out of place. There's one of the other songs that I really do like is Lost in France. That's a great song. Oh, yeah. really is a great song. But she's had some wonderful songs over the years. Well, her biggest one of all is Total Eclipse of the Heart. That's right, yes. Which is a real 80s power ballad. Yeah, yeah. And And with her voice, it just... She knew how to power ballad, didn't she? Oh, she could turn them out. (laughs) But she had lots of uh, influences from a young age. You know, Janis Joplin and Tina Turner... Um, Aretha Franklin, Meatloaf, Joe Cocker, Dusty Springfield, even Guns N' Roses, Tony Braxton, Eminem, and she's also expressed an interest in collaborating with our modern-day Adele, whom she describes as a great songwriter, singer, and performer. And, of course, in those days, they did people could sort of be influenced by other support, other performers as well, but still keep their own way of doing things yeah. you know and but, you know fancy sort of kicking off her modern uh, career in 78 last century and here we are 40 years later yeah almost she's still going strong oh yeah yeah it's, 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 it's such an individual in distinctive style yeah. that she has that nobody could copy her she's she, not gay she's married no. oh no she's married she with children. has mm. been such a singer, a constant singer in our gay lives, it would seem a mm. recognisable point uh, of musical history. And there's an industry these days of recycling music, like the nostalgia tours. Yeah. And yeah. you'll get two or three artists, typically from the 80s, just come together, go out and do a tour and make a killing. Go That's on. right. Yeah, go home again. More money in the superannuation fund. <laughs> <laughs> Good on them, anyhow. And they always come out to Australia in the summertime. 
Of course. Because they escape their northern winters. Good luck to them. Yeah. Pity those poor people that come touring in our winters. <laughs> but yes, still, well, that's, that's what we're, we're just about to, to enter into well, winter, aren't we? you're going to sneak away, aren't you, I'm going escape to, our winter? I, I'm hoping that I'll have... Um, I don't know whether this is going to be that warm out in the middle of the Pacific in the middle of June, but uh, it'll probably be a slightly warmer than what it is here because it'll be, it's usually a very constant temperature when you get out towards Fiji and, and Nukalawafa and Tell the guy at the steering wheel to look for the big red line in the water. That's, oh. that's the equator. It'll be warmer up there. Oh, good. I'll tell him to look for the big red line. Okay. <laughs> and, and I must schedule my usual uh, trip to Europe uh, when we're in the depths of winter, but no, we'll, we'll see about that. And poor Philip, where I'm are you? I'm not going anywhere. Well, that's right. You've you've got got you, to, but you've got to look, at, look after Eddie. That's right. But he could go on holidays with you. Um, Put him in the car and take him somewhere? Yeah, we went to the beach once. He fell in love with a dead jellyfish. <laughs> so I don't think he's the greatest tourist. I think he needs a bit more education. You should take him. Uh, he, was, he didn't even reach the waterline. But he may be a dog that doesn't like water. Oh, if it's anything like a bath, then he's not going. No. <laughs> okay. What about the soft surface of sand? Does he cope with that? Um, it's good to dig in. Yes. Hmm. And, and, and bury your dead jellyfish. <laughs> no, I wouldn't let him actually um, take it anywhere because it would oh, be well. really nice in the car. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yes, we, we're not travellers. I've done my travelling. You've done your travelling, yes. have you? Oh, okay. Well, lovely to have had you with us today. If yep. you need to, send us a little massage. You can send comments, good and bad, on the email machine. Yes. And we've been there at joy.org.au. All yeah. comments welcome. Indeed, they mightn't be appreciated, but they're welcome. You're quite <laughs> right. free to give. Well, them. <laughs> we, but it's it's called the freedom of speech that we have in this it, it country. Is. And thank you again to Margaret Court for bringing up equal marriage again. <laughs> Cheerio for now. We'll see you Bye next for week. Now. Yeah. Bye. Bye. It's a heartache. Nothing but a Hits you when it's too late. Hits you when you're down. This Joycast is a free service brought to you by Joy 94.9. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. 